Now, what I thought I had here was a podcast, but I don't. What I have is a podcast with a hole in the middle of it. And that hole has a podcast inside of it. And inside of that podcast is another hole. And we intend to fill the holes tonight here on Not A Hate Watch. Hello everyone, it's Missing Information here again with Alice for another episode of Not A Hate Watch. Alice, how are you doing today? Hi, I have all my knives out. Yes, knives out, sun's out, guns out, yeah. sky's out, knives out. And for those of you who can't see, because that's all of you, knife was pulled out on camera. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, so, we are talking about the movie Knives Out today. Uh, yeah, we are. It's close to the release of Glass Onion uh, in our timeline. There's that beautiful curved knife. What do, what do we call a curved blade like that? Because uh, I know a long one would be a scimitar, but this is, in terms this of is a, a short karambit. handle. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, you're supposed to you're supposed to wield them um, like this, and then you... It's, it's primarily designed for self-defense. Yes. Uh, which is... I, uh, I don't know how many of the knives that were on the walls of the uh, of the house were for, for that as well. Now... Uh, I have seen Knives Out. I saw it in theaters when it was first released uh, in 2019. Now, Alice, uh, I know we've talked about this. You avoided seeing it because it was a bit hyped. Want to go into? Do you want to go into a little bit more of that? Of what you were hearing? Yeah. What sort of was holding you back? And, I think, and all of that. I think I I have gone through phases where I, I I don't watch a lot of movies. Right now, I'm in a phase where I'm watching a lot of movies. But in 2019, I was very much not watching movies at all. Um, and it was one of these things where I kept hearing, oh, it's Ryan Johnson. Oh, it's really good. Oh, it's so clever and funny. And it's way better than you expect. Um, there was just a lot of buzz at the time. And I think the effusive praise really built it up in my mind in a way that made me think, there's no way I'm actually going to enjoy this. I don't know. So I just I just never watched it. I, um, I, we, we said this in the last episode, but it's kind of like, I feel like if you didn't see everything everywhere all at once, the amount of effusive praise that was going around the internet um, probably really turned you off to that movie. Um, and I think that's a similar case here. Um, I actually own the Blu-ray of Knives Out. I bought it a while ago thinking, oh, I'll watch it at some point, and I just never watched it until last night. Well, I'm glad that this podcast uh, and myself choosing it gave you a reason to. Now, we're going to ask the question that we're going to get right off the gate, because that will just lead to how our discussion is going to go tonight. Did you like the film, or was this an inadvertent hate watch? Mm. Okay, so it was not a hate watch. I did like the film. I Good. think it was built up too much for me. It, it didn't seem yep. as clever or funny as i was expecting i think i think because i like especially with the second one coming out and and having these like like you know closed room murder mysteries on the brain i i kind of went into it expecting like oh i i'm gonna like either i'm gonna figure out what it what, what happened or it's gonna all it's all gonna get resolved neatly in a in a, in a way because like i had just watched see how they run and death on the nile so I've, uh, it is the year of the murder mystery, um, mm-hmm. but but I really liked um, Ana de Armas' performance. I enjoyed the um, I enjoyed the the troop of of family members. Um, I was really happy that Edie Patterson was in this movie. I really love her. Yes, 
and uh, uh, Ricky Lindholm as well shows up. Um, yeah, it was it, it was all right. I think it definitely pulled one over on me in terms of like they they have this very neat explanation for what happens with with um, Marta and. Um, with the the morphine and such and, and and i looked down and i was like there's still an hour and a half left in this movie what the fuck is gonna happen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it that i think for me was one of the reasons that i enjoyed it because i am so used to the structure of a murder mystery film being of course the revelation of how it was all done is the end that's what you're building towards so you as an audience member are Trying to figure it out, knowing that maybe there's going to be red herrings, you're not going to be able to do it. But it's really just this fun character study of scenes where we're meeting these people, getting to know them, getting to know their backgrounds, little bits of their life, imagining the parts of their life that we don't get to see that's implied. I really, I love casts of characters. And and as you said, this is a really great cast of characters um, led by our uh, Marta uh, Ana de Armas, who this was the first time I saw her in anything. I thought she was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And especially holding her own against uh, Daniel Craig playing um, <laughs> Benet uh, Blanc, who is one of my favorite characters in cinema? Okay, we we, we gotta talk. We gotta talk about it. We gotta talk about it. I was not expecting. I was not expecting the southern accent. I was not expecting the southern accent. I thought he was French. Oh, it's a French it name. It was beautiful. I I when he comes in, you know, James Bond with all of a sudden talking like he's doing his impression of Kevin Spacey in House of Cards. <laughs> I knew, I'm like, oh, this is the camp that we're doing. I'm for this. I'm this level of heightenedness, the fact that everyone is going for it. And I think I think everyone played the role that they were meant to to a T. Now, does it 100% maybe stack up that every character is fully realized? I don't think so, but I don't, also don't think we're meant to get a whole relationship because because most of these people are a piece in the puzzle you know like murder on the orient express and some of these other ones you don't get the full you know yeah. depth of their character and everything but i found that the stuff that was within all interesting as well as just the the underpinned layer of uh classism and wealth and privilege and how all of that was both part of the reason it was not the motive for murder, but it was all in the background of why it happened to begin with. Sure, uh, which I just thought was an interesting thing, you know, and and, yeah. and and I think was was done where it wasn't nearly as clunky as say like the Joker tried to hit us with oh, themes fuck. in the last yeah. episode we talked about, yeah. you know, and so that's where I appreciate it where it has a lighter touch. It definitely has a lighter touch. I would say, I I thought the the class stuff, it did a good job of demonstrating why like Marta was struggling or, or not as, you know, not as, not as, um, not as wealthy, not as successful, um, under mm-hmm. a lot more pressure than, than the, the, the rich family. But at the same time, yes. I, I, the caricatures of the rich kids, like the, the, like Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Shannon was so broad that I didn't really, it, it like, it didn't work for me as an actual criticism. It felt more like a farce. Oh, I think this is a farce. Yeah. This, to me, lands in the wheelhouse of, like, Clue, which is my favorite film. So, Mm -hmm. for me, I had the buy-in of a murder mystery and hearing that it had a bit of of humor, a layer of humor to it where it's not obviously slapstick. It's Mm -hmm. not, you know, meant where every line's witty. 
but it plays off of the same way Clue is set in the 50s and, and plays off the societal norms of communism and socialism and all of those woes. This really hit on the woes that was going on there. And and the siblings are some of my favorite characters. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis as Linda, Michael Shannon as Walt, uh, Don Johnson as Richard, who is uh, Linda's husband, Tony Collette, oh my god, as Joni, um, who is the widow of Harlan's deceased son, Neil. Um, and then you also had uh, the children who are... Uh, Jaden Martell as Jacob Thromby. That's Walt's son. He is the alt-right troll that is yes. uh, texting from the bathroom. The, and the then, Nazi, uh, yes. Yes. Catherine Langford as Meg Thromb uh, Thromby, who is uh, Joni's daughter. Yeah. Um, who was the one person who you think might have some connection and relation with Marta because of the same age. Right. But even the, the, the class and privilege that she has gets in the way in the end. And, I, w I was and I was very much that. shipping the two of them while I was watching this. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Now... We, we did talk about it. Well, I do want to get back to the, the fact that this gives you the reveal of what happened on the face of it within 30 minutes. Right. You're right. It, it tells you that there's not going to be a mystery as to who was around or who did it. The mystery is, is she going to get away with it? Is Marta going to be found for this accidental crime, which could, you know, the, the motive being, of course, that her family could get deported. Uh, things are bad with it. So, right. Or is it something where uh, she's going to get found out? And what did you then think the film was going to be from that point? Or did you just say, okay, I'm along for the ride and I don't know what this is going to be now? I didn't know what it was going to be. I mean, I, I would say, I do think this film is too long. I do think there's probably 30 minutes that you could cut out. I don't know what okay. the point of the car chase was. Um, and, and, and some of the middle section. It felt like the, the middle section with Ransom, played by Chris Evans, some of that felt a little flabby. And I understand that that's to tie into, because that, uh, spoilers, I guess, for Knives Out, I feel like everyone in the world seen it other than me. Um, that ties into the ending of the movie. But at the same time, I don't know. It just, it felt like, it felt like there was between her reveal like the, the 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 scene where it reveals how she how she killed or how she thought she killed the, the the author and the will reading it felt like there was just a lot there that i just didn't need like it just felt really flabby okay that, and that is fair um you're right i think i know what you mean in the sense of the pacing of the film does take a change because we're in this house for most of it yeah with this cast of characters of the first part then all of a sudden it is just marta and ransom together for a while and we know at the end it's because he is isolating her to try and manipulate her into not realizing that he's the one that set her up to mm -hmm. accidentally overdose um uh harland which also twist spoiler alert we know at the end she didn't actually do and uh he it, you're right in that it does it changes the pacing it does become a different film and if you don't know what's happening which of course we didn't it can be a question of, well, why is this? What's, yes. what's going on here? What are these things important? Now, I'm not going to get into, obviously, we narrative-wise, we know why, you, as you said, do it. It's because it's a red herring of the audience is meant to then trust you because he's with our character that we trust. And so we assume that the plot now is going to be about these two teaming up, which then, of course, the Ryan, Ryan uh, then 
underplays by making B know, of course, Ransom is the bad person on there, mm-hmm. um, which I I don't know if I predicted that, if I knew that it was a double. I, I don't think I actually knew what the, the twist was going to be or what the reveal was going to be right. after Marta was on there. Right. I figured that there was a solution of, well... Maybe someone else killed him in the meantime, or some, you know, something that was going on with it. But uh, yeah, I, 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 to me though, I think then I just started enjoying this as a film with a farce, and as you said it's a where now it is uh, the smartest characters in the room are all behind the eight ball simply because of the bumblings that are going on. It's not some Machiavellian scheme. It's just a couple of things happen to happen when at the wrong place, wrong time, uh, specifically because they're being set up by the person that they trust at that moment. Yeah. I, I, I will say, I I really liked... I really like the scenes where the family was together. I enjoyed the party scene. I really enjoyed the yeah. the um, the will reading scene with Frank Oz. That was great. Um, all of those sort of set pieces where they brought everyone together, I thought were really, really well done. Um, but yeah, I think by having the, the by having the actual like killer not get introduced until like thirty minutes in after you've already established all this stuff felt a little like I think in my mind I was expecting it to be more intricate and 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 involve more of the more of the family it felt like the like 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 all yes. of the other three the three main uh like the 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 kids of um the author Jamie Lee Curtis Tony Collette Michael Shannon it felt like they just could have not been in the movie at all like like in terms of the murder part of it, they aren't really super relevant. I know there was the whole thing of like, oh, she's a light sleeper. She wakes up that, and so they got information about it. But that didn't – I had thought there would be more to it than that. Yeah, and, and I think that is fair. I also think that most murder mysteries when you get to it – uh, you know, when you when you strip apart the layers, there's always extra uh, a layer or two where it's like, well, we could have this removed, but again, the whole reason that it's there is just to be a red herring part. Uh, and and I find that I liked that the family was there simply again for the aspect of this film I like, which is the the uh, the class consciousness jokes and tropes and things that we get to play off of, even if they don't really have anything to do with the murder in the end, you know. And again, I think I think the film tells you, yeah, early on that the murder doesn't matter, in the sense of, you know, they reveal like the mystery. They sort of tell you that the veil is going to be pulled back a bit, or at least the sense of it's not going to be the reveal that you think it's going to be. So when you're sort of released from that aspect of a murder mystery trope, I then sort of just watch this as like a light comedy with, you know, uh, this crazy French detective as the protagonist who is instead of um, bumbling in a French Clouseau fiscal kind of way, is just more of always hitting the most ironic outcome that could happen uh, with his goings on. Yeah, I, 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 the the southern accent really took me out of it. I, like, I think by the end of the movie I was more on board, but it was just, it was such a surprise. It's a choice. Yes, it's a choice, and I appreciate it because I I rarely get to see Daniel Craig having this much fun. Yeah, in the sense of a character, you can tell that. He, that he was let loose and was able to just 
swim in the river of ham, as they say. Yeah. And really enjoy being in a film where he didn't have to play so straight, heavy, drama. This ain't yeah. girl with a dragon tattoo. This isn't Bond. This yeah. is, you know, him being able to... To, I'm sure show a side of him that he's always wanted to in his yeah. work, or and did in some of his earlier stuff, mm-hmm. uh, where he is like, I can lead this, you know, yeah. sort of comedic uh, way of, of doing things in here. Which is I, now, which is a little ironic because he's mostly the straight man in a lot of the scenes. Like, he, like he'll, yeah, he is. He, he'll he'll just chime in with a nice like witty repartee at the end of the scene or something like that. It felt like, as compared to because all because of the like the family and all the other characters were so ridiculous around him. Mm-hmm. My favorite moments of his is when he is realizing stuff. Just when he's sitting there talking. And all of a sudden, he has a turn. And he's thinking, and the wheels are going. And you can hear him thinking. And then he says, oh, I know what's happening here. Yeah. It is it just the, oh, my God. It's 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 so intim... In, I can never say this word. Imitatable. There we go. I yes. Get it out. It's so imitatable. Uh, that I, I just had fun with that. But you're right. I, when I first heard it, I was. I, it's one of those things where it leans so heavy. You're like, is this a bad accent or a good accent? Or is it so bad that it's good? Or is it so good that it almost just seems bad because it's there's no other, no one else is doing this type of accent? So it's not like we're in a film where everyone's doing ridiculous accents and everyone's playing it, you know, playing it up. It, it's just our main, our main character is. It's great. Oh, I love him. And the spoiler, not really spoiler, but just the fact that uh, uh, we know that he is now a uh, part of the community and that he is gay just as a little little nugget that I'm just like, oh, good for him, living his best life uh, when I, other people aren't. So I, I saw the interview where they where they talked about it and I think he says like, oh, I, he obviously is gay. And I was I, I had that in my mind when I was watching the movie. I was like, I, I guess I see it. It's not really, it's very subtle. Mm-hmm. It's... As he's obviously gay because he was listening to show tunes in his car. That's the reason why. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, now, so in terms of then the solution, or not the solution, you know, system clue, the ending when it did reveal the ransom reveal, and then we kind of go through and see his side of things and how he did do it. Did you feel like that was at least satisfying in, in terms of you know if if that now you know that is the solution working backwards did that feel pretty good or did you just feel like i don't know if there's any this tracking just doesn't seem to be there and it kind of came up out of nowhere like okay i guess this is accepting it it i had to re i had to rewatch the explanation about him switching the late labels on the bottles or, or or whatever it was he did um or no no it was he switched the labels on the bottles in the in when um, when Edie Patterson was it was it was in the laundromat or something along those lines. There was something there that really kind of lost me. Like I understood the the general idea of he switches the medicine mm-hmm. so that so that Marta just injects the morphine. Um, but yeah, there was something about the um, that and the and the and the the talks report um, in the in the sort of scene where Marta's going to try to to. To fetch Edie Patterson, whose character name I cannot yeah. remember. Um, that that part Her that part was name confusing. Is Fran. Fran. Oh, Fran. Yes. Yeah, and and it is confusing because of the reveal that, and we'll talk about it because I actually found it to be a very interesting, really interesting out, and 
shocking in the sense of the big reveal in the end is the labels were switched by uh, by Ransom so that Marta would inject a overdose of morphine that would kill Harland because the dosage of the two different drugs that she took were milligrams off so like mm -hmm. huge amounts that right. are which bad, is what she bad, which know. is what she thought she the did good stuff and, yes. yes yes but the reveal at the end that Daniel Craig reveals and what the toxology report reported is that he uh, Harland did not have a deadly right. amount of morphine yes. in his system because, because she could because she could recognize the the, the right she recognized it and grabbed the mislabeled one but still gave him the right one on there so that's the hard part is because it's almost like a double negative you're yeah. right in that we're assuming the report is going to show the morphine in it which is why then when the reveal is that it wasn't morphine on it but then the labels were also switched it is that double it that was the part where you're right when i first mm -hmm. saw it, i did have to like I got it, but I also had to then kind of re-switch my mind and being like, oh, yeah, of course, that is the, oh. So the sadness is that uh, he did commit suicide right. inadvertently because he thought he was dying. And so if he had not done that and slit his own throat, he would have lived. And so yes. that's the terror, you know, the the tragedy right. of of it all is is mm -hmm. it being ruled an actual suicide. Right. But then now, also so, but then also mm -hmm. Ransom also kidnapped Fran and then sent her to the hospital also. Yes. And so he filled her with a lethal dose of of morphine. And that's the other reveal is that because uh, Marta uh, always vomits with nerves after right. she lies, yes. she can't lie. She held it in, and I love that part when she held I, it in just long oh, enough no. to vomit right on his, oh, on, on oh, him, I, on I can't, I can't, I can't do, <laughs> I can't do vomit. I can't do vomit. Oh, it was, it was just, just a little enough, but enough vomit for me to like, get it. And then I also had a moment where, uh, halfway through the point where he's uh, holding the knife and lunging at her. A ransom is to stab her. I did remember halfway through the fall thinking, "Fake knife," <laughs> as he was going down. There was there so, was a there was a line about that earlier in the movie, right? About how like yep. someone couldn't tell I, I a, of a real knife it. from a fake knife. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they even displays it by just taking the knife and putting it on his hand or something. So yeah, it was Chekhov's fake knife yeah. that we introduced earlier. But it, it just was uh, interesting that that ended up. Even just the, the little tiny moments toward the end where even as we have revealed everything, you still get a few little twists that, that do actually make you very, even if briefly for a minute, go, oh, is this where things go bad? But nope, everything did turn out uh, uh, kind of okay in there, except for poor Fran did. <laughs> Fran and Harlan, both donezo. Yeah. Hey, she gets, hey, Marta gets that big house. That's true. Marty gets the big house. Her house who rules her coffee. Which, if I had Amazon, I thought about it the other day. I'm like, I could overnight myself one of these and have it for the show tonight, just sipping from it. But I was like, nah, I can't commit to that. I can't be committing more real money for bits for a yeah. visual... Uh, visual for a gags for our podcast, medium. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, now we got Glass Onion coming up. Did yeah. you like this film enough to go see Glass Onion? Or are you going to be ambivalent i mean it's coming to theaters but it's also going to be on netflix so you know i'm not saying necessarily in theaters versus streaming but will you right. watch it i think i'm gonna go see it in theaters partially because i don't want to like because it's on netflix i otherwise w wouldn't be able to watch it 
you know, I guess I could pirate it, but 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 you know, legally I wouldn't I wouldn't otherwise watch it because I'm not giving Netflix my money. Um, so I think I'll go see it in theaters. I think Fair I cool. think my hope is that by being on the train with everyone instead of like running chasing the train way after it's left the station, I will I will be able to get more mm-hmm. into it. But I guess we'll see. Like like I can report back after after I see it and and we can we can talk about it because I, I I'm curious to know what I think what I'm gonna think. Um, I have not watched the trailer. I have not watched anything. Literally, all I know is that. Okay. Benoit Blanc is gay, and that Jessica Henwick's in it, and I love Jessica Henwick so much. So, um, so that's good. But uh, outside Perfect. of that, yeah. That's, and I won't tell you a damn thing about it either going into it. Uh, I have seen the trailer, so I am excited for it. I know. Excuse me. Another burp. Cheesy pizza. Fun outtake. I uh, do know the setup, so it will be interesting. Uh, I like the fact that. We are getting a sort of treat with two of my favorite uh, campy detective franchises that are happening, which is, of course, the Knives Out, uh, tr- the Knives Out franchise, which is what they're sort of saying. This is uh, Glass Onion and Knives Out mystery. Yeah. And then the Kenneth Branagh uh, Poirot ones that we get. You mentioned Death on the Nile earlier. Yeah. And you also mentioned Getting on Board the Train, which leads uh, to one of my other favorite films, Murder on the Orient Express. Uh, which to one of my friends and I went and saw in theaters to which before the film started, he sat down, turned to me and said, I think the train did it. And so the entire time I just started laughing and thinking of this film I'd seen many, many times, but also being the motivation of what if this is something where the train set all this up? <laughs> like it, let's just think of it as a metaphysical way where this is a film about a train that yeah. purposely gets caught to let a murder happen. And it's like, it's on it too. It knows. Uh, have you seen Murder on the Orient Express? I, I not, assume if you saw Death on the I, Nile, I, you have. I, I have not seen Murder on the Orient Express. Oh, you have I watched Death okay. on the Nile on a flight. So that that's that. Death on it's a good Death plane on movie. the Nile. A, a boat movie is a great plane movie. Honestly, it is. I saw this in theaters uh, twice because I needed to just see this on the big screen. It's I love Prowell. Uh, Murder on the Orient Express is probably my favorite of his stories. Sure. Death of the Nile is up there, and I liked what they did with it. Um, I, I also enjoy the fact that the next one's going to have Tina Fey, and it's going to be in Venice, and it's based off of a smaller story, so I'm not going to know the ending to it, which I have for the last uh, the last ones that I've seen on here. Uh, it, it, I, I am just a sucker for any sort of whodunit. If you give a mystery where... I don't know the reveal at the end. I'm going to, I will buy into it and I will watch it. Even if it is the shittiest, like most inane plot at all. I'm like, well, if I'm going to sit here till the end, even if I guess I'm going to be the reveal. Alice, are you a fan of whodunits? Is that in your wheelhouse or is that not one of your, your cup of teas? I, I would say I like them. I don't seek them out necessarily. I think in the way that you are, um, mm-hmm. I, I definitely, cause like I played through all of the Phoenix Wright games and those are, those are largely just whodunits in video game form. Um, yes. And, and so I, I think, I think if anything, playing all of those, it, it was a cycle where I would always get excited when a new one was coming out. I'd play it. I'd get really frustrated because some of the some of the cases and some of the, the clues you needed to find were so obtuse or you needed to make mm-hmm. such weird connections. That I just ended up, always ended up looking up a guide. And then by the end of it, I'm kind of just like, fuck this game. It's good, but fuck this game. <laughs> and so I think that might have turned me off of murder mysteries for a while. 
maybe permanently. But but I like I like maybe. I said I I I enjoyed this. I will probably I'm probably gonna go see Glass Onion. Um, I'm not opposed to them. I think. Um, I think I'm getting sick of things that want to wrap everything up in a neat bow. That's fair. Yeah, that a lot of our media today that is, or a, a lot of our media and criticism today, I right. would say, from fandoms and from critics is. Mm-hmm wanting things to be tied up and when it's not getting frustrated because they don't have answers because for a lot of things that have existed we've been able to have answers and Mm -hmm. then they can just walk away and not have questions yeah you know question questioning things is becoming an inconvenience for a lot of people yeah uh or questioning too many of the wrong things you know as another direction but uh I, i i definitely am with you in that i i do like movies that have more open-ended, ambiguous, sort of are just a slice-in-a-timeline tale versus, like, here's your perfect story. It's part of the reason that I've enjoyed improv a lot more than scripted comedy because it is just sort of more open-ended and it ends when it ends type of deal uh, versus it being like, okay, here's our act one, our act two, our act three, beat, beat, beat. You know, yeah. like Joker. You know, here it is, here it is, here it is, and we're setting up the Donimos to knock them down mm-hmm. or shoot them down in the case of that uh, yeah. movie. It, it's uh, it's yeah. interesting to me because I'm really into like there's this trend of like puzzle box TV shows like like Lost yeah. is the prototypical example but the last year the or this year the, the biggest ones were Yellow Jackets and and um, Severance which are both like mm-hmm. they set up all these they set up all these like cryptic um, maybe magical or, or mystic elements there there's a lot of just random shit happening and you and you have so many questions and yeah I think for me. I'd rather it just always remain ambiguous. Like, the, the kind of story where you don't know for sure which way the ending, which, like, you know, if it's, it's if it's, let's say it's a murder, you don't actually get the answer of who did it and you have to decide for yourself. I think I would rather that than, like, a little clockwork um, mousetrap style um, Rube Goldberg machine where you see all of the mm-hmm. bits that, that connected to, ha- to cause this to happen. Yeah, it... And I think sometimes I lean too much into loving the Rube Goldberg of it all. Uh, that's a really good visual image because that's in my head a lot of times what I enjoy. It's the, oh, I know I see the boot kicking the bucket and I'm, I can recognize that and enjoy that out of, you know, out, out, as a piece of a whole thing, you know. Or, yeah, you get to the end and you see the cage fall down and you knew, oh, that cage is going to fall down. You know it is, but you just go for a way. And... And I think a lot of people enjoy that because when they go back and watch it, it's the same sequence. It is like playing Mousetrap where it's always going to be kicking the bucket and it's always going to have the cage go down. But then that's what they only want it to be versus enjoying it when, hey, there's other games besides, you know, Mousetrap out there that exist. Uh, Speaking of the Mousetrap... Uh, I have not seen that play or uh, heard it, and so actually still don't know the twist to the ending of it, uh, despite the fact that I helped record some sound effects for a play version of it, because I specifically did not read the ending so that I wouldn't get spoiled helping with it. Um, I want to go see that in London uh, when uh, it's there, because it's the, for those who don't know, it's the longest-running murder mystery. Well, it's the longest-running, like, play, oh, I think almost ever, because mm-hmm. it's been in London so, uh, since the 50s, I believe, uh, when Agatha Christie was still alive, and it was just a show she wrote. <laughs> um, but I know that it's it's one of those movies where, or it's one of those plays where you basically go knowing there's a big twist that's in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but b- people have been very good about not spreading 
the twist, much like when Psycho first came out and the whole marketing campaign, which I think was one of the first big coordinated marketing campaigns for like a whisper campaign for films, which was the whole deal of don't tell people the ending, don't tell people the twist. Like you need to get to see this movie now before you hear the twist, before you get it on there. And now our entire culture is revolving around getting in there fast, getting to see something, watching the show, going to the movie, playing the game before you get online and spoilers get out there. Because these days, you know, Wikipedia's get updated with the plot as it's premiering. You know, the people are live tweeting their thoughts as soon as it happens. So the internet becomes a dangerous, you know, minefield of am I going to accidentally see the ending to this thing I've been anticipating for a long time? So it, it pushes out a lot of this heavy uh, front end expectation for films, which I think also has sort of ruined uh, the area where some of these types of films excel, which is the word of mouth slow burn type of reveal, where it isn't something where it was uh, a huge thing on opening weekend but it gave people time to sort of get on it uh it's it's just sort of a weird catch-22 with the internet and spoilers these days and and how it drives the way that we consume media yeah no i i I agree completely um did you do you know you know that see how they run is about the mousetrap right Wait, is it? No, I yes. didn't know that. Yeah, I, it's so it is. It is. Oh. A, it is. A, it is about a murder. It is about a murder mystery that happens on the set of the Mousetrap, and so it talks about the Mousetrap. It's set in the '60s, I think. You should see it. It's it's fun. Oh, I well, yes, I've been I've been meaning to see it. One of my friends was actually uh, messaging me about it the other day, so I I will. Um, that's fascinating. And you, you know what? I don't mind if I see the ending of it because I've also seen parodies oh, of the mousetrap. So the ending, the I ending, feel like the, they don't spoil the ending of the mousetrap in, in, in the movie is what I will tell you. Oh, interesting. Oh, good. Okay. Um, well, maybe I'll have to like go find a version of the mousetrap and then also go watch this beforehand or afterwards. Oh, that's too much work. I'm I mean, I'd, I'd never, I'd, I'd never heard of the mousetrap before watching that movie and, and I, I was able to follow everything. So. Yeah, you mentioned it earlier. I definitely have an, an outsized love of murder mysteries in my heart, and that's partly because I just grew up as a kid, uh, one, reading the Encyclopedia Brown mystery uh, detective little mm-hmm. short stories, um, yep. kind of like the Phoenix Wright, where it's little evidence-based ones. I loved the board game Clue. I saw the movie Clue probably too early, early enough where I understood that they were kind of sex jokes that were happening, but also early enough that I didn't conceptually know what they meant. So I just saw this slapstick movie that was all about murder and also was on TV all the time. And my library had it on VHS, so I would... One summer I rented it, and I swear I watched it 40 times that summer because I would just put it on every day and get into it. I played board games, uh, also like 13 Dead and Drive, which was or, which was a murder mystery game where – not a murder mystery game. This is a murder game where it's for kids, and it's about inheriting a fortune from Aunt Agatha, who's the character. And it's all the people in her house who are possible – um, inheritors of the will. So you move your opponent's pieces around trying to bump them off with the various booby traps within the game uh, while protecting your own pieces and preventing them from getting murdered, which I played as a seven or six-year-old all the time and gleefully just had a chandelier fall on a character's head. And we go, yay, hooray, they got murdered. So I just realized a couple of years ago, it's like, wow, I was so desensitized to this the topic of murder 
being a part of a story so early on to that it never fazed me. But yet, I have a very huge dislike of true crime, and I don't like uh the, you know news reports or like stories that involve like heavy murders or slashers or all that sort of stuff and i was trying to think of why that was and i think it's because a murder mystery almost always has the bad guy getting their comeuppance in the end um or maybe getting away and that's you know sometimes that happens but that you know is it's the moriarty we have to this have this villain come back sort of thing um, or that's the whole point is to get away with it and I'm up with it. But most of the time with a pro the person gets, you know, in jail. Maybe they commit suicide or something. You know, they very rarely get away. A lot of these things are set up where you have, as you said, the neat bow where it is tied up and it's safe. And a lot of these other forms of media where it is people getting killed and murdered possibly in some of even the same ways in these murder mysteries i like but it's much more existentially terrifying to me you know it's like oh a soul just got extinguished versus like oh that person got killed you know <laughs> i i just find that interesting in the way that i consume it and i was realized that it was because yeah from, from a very young age this type of structure was introduced as safe for me as, hmm. as a place where I could go for comfort. And that's why I think I fall back on these. And it's easy for e easy for me to consume even if they're bad. Unlike something like, you know, the Minions, where I had a really hard time consuming it. Or for you, the Apple, where you had a hard time consuming it. Because it isn't a, a form of media that is in our safe little wheelhouse. Our baby brains, uh, to take a, a phrase from Podcast the Ride, which I love using uh, in there as well. So yeah, murder mysteries are a part of my baby brain. Which is just wild to think about, but it's true. If you if you found yourself in a murder mystery scenario, let's say let's say you're mm -hmm. you're invited for a weekend at the Cove and someone turns up dead, um, are you making it out? Um. So good question. I think my so my first my first response is I'm an easy mark for the murderer to gain trust with. Sure. So I, there's a good chance that the murderer latches onto me as their uh, bumbling uh, lackey. Not lackey, but like the person who they can then throw out in front of, yes. you know, when they need an alibi or being, oh, I set you up sort of thing. Um, the other option is that I'm latching myself onto the detective and I'm like, you know, Benet Blanc's like, you know, side person who just, I'm the, the Marta and I'm just going to them and being like, I want to help look from this side of things. Cause I know I'm innocent. Cause look at me, I'm not capable of killing anyone. Uh, and so I'm just going to go hang out with the dork over here. Uh, now in terms of, of my prowess of, of surviving any sort of dangerous situation is very low. I am a klutz. I do not have, uh, a, overwhelming fight drive i have a flight drive you know so i'd be running around trying to figure out a way out of there or like trying to help solve it if that's the way we get out of here if like oh if we're in an escape some situation i'm gonna be trying my best to escape uh, and people are gonna get sick of me talking about it uh 
but I I do not hold a high opinion to myself for survival and all of these things in general. I always joke that my apocalypse plan is just to die in the first wave. Alex knows that. My husband, he uh, he's a bit more of a survivalist. He prepares. He thinks about these things. And I'm like, oh, there's no use in me thinking about it. I'm useless. I My skills are acting. That's like the thing I'm best at, which ain't going to do you any good when we have to go back to radioactive substance farming, you know, or zombie uh, avoidance schemes. So, yeah. I, I'm either... Uh, a victim that everyone is like sad about like toward the end of the spree where you're like oh no i wasn't expecting them to get killed uh or i am the person that the killer keeps alive uh and then is arrested and is in jail and maybe at the end if they're lucky i'm released after they uh clear my name or you know, the last scene is the killer coming to the window between the glass and I'm banging on it saying, that's the guy! He did it! That's the... He's right there! And the guards go, shut up, you! Bah! And that's... We fade out and, and some really heavy 90s, uh, you know, rock music plays in the background. Okay. That Alice? was that was much more elaborate than I was expecting for that answer. See, and that's the problem is that's how much I have thought about these things. It's not I'm and I'm honest with myself about my my uh, my survival skills. I am very much a a person who knows that I will have to socially get my way through a situation mostly because I don't have like skills like physical skill sets that are gonna gonna cut it in the end. I'm gonna take the question and I'm gonna put it to you, Alice. So same thing. We're in the cove. Yeah, got a murder going on. Everyone's running around. They don't know what to do. Uh, you hear the detectives arriving. You think you're making it out of this weekend or are you going to be floating on the beach? Uh, victim number X. Hmm. I think I would try to keep everyone calm and rational and not overreact to the situation. And I think in doing so, I, there would be suspicion on me. It's like, how can she be so calm when someone just died? Yeah. And, oh, I love that trope. The one that's too, or yeah, the one that's like, well, of course they died. They were a terrible person. You know, yeah, just is so, uh -huh. so level-headed that everyone's like, well, they must be on in on it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. And so, and so I think I would get suspected early. I wouldn't actually be connected to the crime, but they, but there would be some mm -hmm. like circumstantial evidence that would make me seem connected to the crime. I think that's my role. It, yes, it's they're always kind of coming back to you, and and it's, there's always a character that's being like, it could be Alice though, and like, but this piece of evidence, you know, doesn't show, it. and they're like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, do you think either one of us would solve the case? No, I think we're both idiots. Do you think together we could solve the case? We're going to find out as we start our new detective agency. The, Al <laughs> the Allison Missy Detective Agency. Wikipedia, Wikipedia Brown. Oh, God. Uh, boy, howdy. Well, we... Uh, I sort of that's that's most of my thoughts here on Knives Out. I, yeah, it's a famous enough film. You know, I don't feel like I have to rehash the plot. You know, yeah, no, too we're much good. More than what we have, uh, and I I feel good on there. Um, any final thoughts that you want to give on Knives Out as we as we you know mentally prepare to know that we'll come back on either a different episode or a short bonus episode talking about Glass Onion uh, when we get on there. But you know, what are you thinking going into that? I was disappointed that. 
knives out as a phrase didn't play more into it. I know there was the big knife wall. I was also kind of confused why that why that was there. Um, but I don't know. It looked cool. Um, if Game of I- Thrones was the big thing. They were like, "Oh, we can do that." Yeah, you know, we'll yeah, yeah. To that. That'd be fun. Uh, here's what I'll say: If 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 Ana de Armas wanted to inject me with 100 milligrams of morphine, I'd be okay with it. Okay, I've been stalling because I know next Alice gets to pick the movie for me on my list on here. Uh, Alice, do you have that list pulled up? I I already know. I don't need to look. I don't need to pull up the list. I already know. Oh gosh. Oh, so you've been sitting on this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So hit me with your best shot. What are we doing, Alice? We're, we're gonna go back to where it all began. Back to the <gasps> Matrix. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Okay, I'm excited for this one. Uh, I know it sounds crazy. I have not seen The Matrix. I know the lore of it. I had uh, a brother and dad loved the films. Some of my friends loved the films. Uh, I just missed it. I don't know. I can't tell you why I didn't catch on the boat, but I, I think like you with Knives Out, at a certain point it got hyped up it had been parodied, so I knew the big beats of it, and I mm-hmm. felt like, I don't know there's anything for me to see here. I That's feel like I maybe got it. Very much not true, but yes. Oh, yes. No, and I know. And, and I and I believe, uh, as you talked about for a while, I have been avoiding films in general and have not been in a movie-watching sort of mind frame. I'm getting into that again. I watched Barry Lyndon the other day without having any prompting or need to. Simply because I'm like, you know what? This one's getting hyped on no, the internet, you, and you, I think you, I should watch that. You had prompting. It was on, They talked about it on Blank Check like three weeks ago. No, but like no one made me. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm yeah. saying – no, but I'm saying is that I had not intended to watch it. I sure. – the the episode came out and I don't watch what I mean is that I didn't watch it because they did it on the show oh, okay. and I felt compelled to watch it because of that. I knew of it because they were doing it on the show, but I'd also heard of it years before. Like I've heard of Barry Lyndon for a while now, you know. And so yes, the the proximity of it I'm sure led to it. But I also just in a whim was like I guess I'll just spend three hours with this thing. And that's not, it's shocking to me. It shouldn't be, I know it's not a huge reveal. Like, oh my God, he watched a film. But to me, it was kind of surprising because I just have not sat down and really watched a film for the sake of just watching it for a while. And it felt nice. Yeah. Well, I think, I think you're going to like the matrix. It's very good. It, it, the re, I will say, I think it got, a big reputation because it was groundbreaking in so many ways for action movies. And mm-hmm. that's not going to be as impressive to you now, but that's okay because I really do think the story and the characters really hold up. And, and yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm a sicko for that shit, but um, I'm really curious to hear what you think. Um, you don't have to watch two or three. I would love it if you watched four, cause I love four, but it's a very different kind of movie. Um, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that after you watch it. We will. Uh, you know, I'm ready to know Kung Fu. I'm ready to slowly dodge a bullet, and I'm ready to figure out what else the hell happens in this film besides those two most copied moments. And with that, we will end our show with how we always, always end our show. The train did it. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>